Hello, Hello can you? Yeah, they've put up a little thing now. So whenever you start recording, it comes up and you have to click the OK button. My guess is that people were complaining. But, uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. Um, as you can see, Krishra is back. Uh, it's his first Zoom, so he, he never saw the record button that I came up. So that's what happened there. But Krishra is back. He was taking care of some family issues, and he is back. So I don't have to talk to you by myself anymore. So that's really good. I'm pretty sure, I hope you, I'm sure you guys like that. So this is episode 81. And um, Kusha, what's your background today? Um, it is an Emirates 777 landing in Mali in the Maldives. It just uh, looked nice. Yes, now which, is that the 300 ER? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can tell by the wingtips. Yeah, that's the one that I flew from here. Uh, here, i.e. Houston to Istanbul and back. Um, yeah, real nice plane. Have you been to the Maldives? Yeah. Uh, there we go. And where did you stay, Kushro? <laughs> I don't remember the name. It was an unpronounceable island. <laughs> about an hour's boat ride away. But it was oh. wonderful. Okay, was it one of the fancy places? Well, they're all fancy, but no, this was not like a thousand dollars a night. This is like two or three hundred dollars a night. Okay, very cool. Yeah. See, I have yet to go to one of the fancy places. Um, when I went, I stayed at I stayed on is Hulu Mali, which is the island. So the the airport is on okay. an island, and then there's this little causeway. Yeah, so a causeway to the next island. Yeah, and you drive. Yeah, um, and that's Hulu Mali. And uh, that's the island that I stayed on. That's and, the capital, right? Yeah. Uh, no, Malé is the capital, which is the right. other island. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Because that's also linked with the causeway, right? No, no, Malé is by itself. The only way to get to the other, other end is, is by boat. To, right? to Malé. Yeah. Okay. So there's Malé on one side, and then there is the, the, where you land in the airport. And then there's a little island that's connected to that by a... I don't know what you call that. Um, it is it, a causeway. Is it a causeway? I mean, yeah. it's a road, but if if they if they it's if not the water, a bridge. If the water comes up, it's covered. You can't go. <laughs> so, and they have a local bus, and the local bus runs from that island uh, to the airport. So I took the local bus, of course, and then I stayed in a, um, a little bed and breakfast. But I got sick, so I was in Bali for three two three days, two nights, and I was sick for two days. <laughs> I flew in on Korean, and because Korean has a flight that starts in um, Seoul, and it does Colombo, and then Colombo to Mali. Okay. And I was in Colombo uh, for a, a travel meeting, hmm. or a travel excursion thing. And so I did, oh, let me go log Mali and come back. And I the sandwich I had on board- Uh-oh, really? Me Yes, there was something, it was stale or whatever it was, but I checked in and then they actually came up and checked on me. They're like, you didn't come down for breakfast. Are you okay? And Is I, that right? Yes. And I said, um, I said, yeah, um, I'm fine, but I am just, you know, I have a bad stomach ache and I've been living in the bathroom since I checked it. <laughs> and they were like, okay, would you like us to get you some tea? And I'm like, yes, that would be so good. And they got some tea and I felt much better the next day. So I was able to 
um, go and explore and explore oh. that particular island. And then I went and actually walked around Mali. If you've ever, if you've ever done that, that's um, a bit of a dump. The city itself. It's yeah. I mean, it's 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 an interesting city, right? Because there is the um, there is a port where all the boats the boats come in, and then you have the market. There's a fish market, and then there's also another market. The interesting thing about the markets, though, is there are no women in the market. Uh, everything, it's a Muslim country. Yes, everything is done by men. That's it's it's interesting. That's one of the countries that people don't. It's that Malaysia people don't realize Malaysia is Muslim. People don't realize Maldives is Muslim, and most of the people who come who work in the Maldives are from Bangladesh, and they don't even allow you alcohol. Uh, That's no, one of the things they check. Were you able to get alcohol in the hotel you were? No. Yeah, you can get it at the hotel, but you can't bring it in. You can't bring it in. Yeah. No. Um, but it was it was cool just walking around that that island that I stayed on. It has a beach. It wasn't as posh as you know some of the other ones, but it, it, it basically that's that's apart from Mali, that's the island where the people who work in the resort mm. live. Okay. Yeah, and you have so you have some little guest houses and things like that on there. But um, so yeah. No. Anyway, that was my Maldives experience. But I need to go back so I can do one of the overwater bungalows and uh, and all that. It's kind of funny when I showed you my pictures. They're like, "That's not the Maldives." I'm like, "Yes, it is. It's just the Maldives that you've never seen." <laughs> <laughs> Once we win the lottery. Uh, yeah. Right. Oh, you know, or partner with a with a brand. Um, I was supposed to be working with a brand in Mal in the Maldives, but I haven't gotten back to them, so they're probably like, "Nope." But we'll see. Um, and my background is London City Airport. Uh, I guess I can go that way. This is that. There's a bridge. Um, you know, I, I thought there was an oil refinery on the oh. left hand side. No, those are the approach lights. It's all the runway lights. Yeah. yeah no, no, on the left. On the left. On the left. Oh, you mean? Oh, okay. Over. Well, I can't show you, but oh, on that side. No, um, this is the city of London um, back there. This is um, Canary Wharf mm. uh, down there. So, uh, and I'm standing. There's a bridge that uh, goes over the. I guess that's the Thames because mm. the Thames is right next to it, and it goes over that and. Um, you can you can stay there and watch the plane. It's right at the end of the runway, um, and so this was a night night shot. And and on the right is um, East East London University, I think. Okay. It's over on the on the right side, but uh, I I did a, I just did a video and actually I put the video link in here on mm. takeoffs and landings from London City. So let's watch there. All right, so. You've flown out of London City before, right? Not into no. Ah, uh -uh. oh, you have to do it. It, it is expensive. <laughs> it's not cheap. No, my one regret is not flying into Hong Kong. Uh, see, well, you need to do London City. It is, um, it's, the takeoffs are amazing because it's steep. They have noise abatement um, because you're people living on both sides of the edge of the runway. And it's like Santa Ana, right? Yes, exactly. Orange yep. County. Yep. Um, I, I, have you taken off out of Santa Ana? Mm. Uh, it's, it's like a bat out of hell, right? It's like a slingshot straight up almost. Um, but this airport is, is just like that. And so, um, and the cool thing with City Airport is that it plops you right literally in the middle of London. You, you walk like two seconds 
well, a little mm. more than two seconds, uh, upstairs to the to the um, DLR, mm -hmm. and then you know you're on you're on your way. All I right. could have done a car there once. So oh, that's really? my extent of London City Airport. Yeah, it's oh, very easy. It it yeah. It, I mean, the thing is that you land, you get out, you walk for maybe two minutes, you go to the immigration, and then you get through and you uh, customs and you're done. You're, you're, you're like, and you're in the lobby. Everything is on one level. Um, yeah. I am always amazed at how much traffic goes through that little airport. They don't fly on, I think they stop flying at 11 on a Saturday till okay. on Sunday or something. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. there's a, a 12 hour period or 24 hour period that they have no flights. But it's mainly a business airport. Um, you see a lot of suits in that. Yes, it is very business because and Lufthansa flies in Alitalia, um, BA. Um, I think SAS also. SAS, KLM. So they, they all fly into there. When they had the Fokker 50s from VLM, hmm. those used to fly. Okay. In. But now you get the Darnier, the Darnier D38s, the ERJ 190s, 175s. 220 uh, also from Swiss. The 220, you know, I've never seen the 220 there. Yeah. Um, but I remember the 318 used to fly there to JFK. And I have some pictures of the 318 flying out of there. Never seen it land there, but I've seen it take off from there. And a lot okay. Polish, which is whom I flew in, um, okay. also flies the E190 in there. All right, so. Episode 81, um, our first story is um, about in-flight magazines. As you know, most of the airlines are getting rid of the in-flight magazines and they're making them electronic, which I am still not quite a fan of. Because what am I going to read on the plane? But anyway, so United In-Flight Magazine goes microbial or antimicrobial. What does that so mean? I, I included this because... I had this experience last week on a United flight after a very long time. I saw the in-flight magazine, but I was hesitant to touch it because I wasn't sure who had used it. And despite being vaccinated, I wasn't about to take any chances. Makes sense. So I let it go. And then I come back and read this article that Hemispheres is, to the best of my knowledge, the first in-flight magazine to become antimicrobial. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So um, most airlines discontinued um, these in-flight magazines in 2020 as a hygiene measure to avoid, um, you know, uh, points where a lot of people were handling, handling the same thing. Right. And they've only just been reinstated on some carriers. So, uh, Inc. Global, which is the publisher of Hemispheres, which is the United Airlines magazine, yeah. um, has signed a deal with a company called Admaster. And Admaster has this um, antimicrobial technology. It's like a, uh, a coating called Biomaster that they coat each page with. And it's an antimicrobial agent that supposedly in these tests um, keeps the surface of the paper 
99.99% free of microbes. Mm. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen TV ads, but everyone always says it's 99.99. Why is it never 100%? I because, guess it's covering myself, covering yeah, themselves. It, they don't want to get sued. Yeah. So they're saying, you know, you, because you know, people are going to go, you said it was antimicrobial. You said I couldn't catch something, and I did. But it so can this is the, enough, yeah. This is the same material that um, aircraft seats are coated with, and also uh, leather in um, um, aircraft seats as well. So okay. it's nothing new, but this is the first time it's been extended to paper. And um, as I said, it has no um, influence on or no no effects on the appearance of the paper or the performance of the paper. And I thought this was sort of a very different approach that United is taking because I just read that as of the end of June, American Airlines is getting rid of American Way. It's in-flight magazine. It's not even going online. They're just plain canceling it and taking it off the aircraft. Okay. Because they claim that... Um, Passengers have uh, several other options to get their information, and it also saves weight. <laughs> but <laughs> I like these in-flight magazines because, speaking just for hemispheres, I think they have some very interesting articles, and it's nice to see the route network and other. Yeah, M my uh, guess. Yeah, M my guess though, Kushar, is that like American, uh, like American. Everything like this is a, is a money decision, right? Absolutely. And, and we know how the marketing machines behind these airlines are interesting. So any company, it doesn't matter who it is, whenever they come out and go, oh, we're doing this and it's for you. No, it's not. It's because you have looked at it and you've said, not this isn't making any sense for me right now. It's causing much more issues than it can. So let me spin it and say, you know, whatever, whatever they, whatever they said. So I mean, them getting because American Way, I think I don't know if that's the first one, but it might be the oldest one that's out there. 1966. Right. So it's been it's been around a long time. So my guess is that you know people are like, well, we don't want to advertise in them anymore. And when they look at it, they probably go, well, we're not making any money from it. We are mm -hmm. carrying around a lot of weight. So before. It's an advertiser's dream because it's in your hand, you're stuck in your seat, you can't go anywhere. But now they're competing against this. They yeah. are holding up my phone, which you can't really see online because my background is eating it. But um, they're competing against the phones and, and all the earbuds and all the other stuff that you have to, people are distracted. And people yep. you know, are bringing their own books and stuff like that. So, um, but it is kind of sad though to see and not even having it online. So if it was just a matter of the weight issue, then they would just put it online. But not having it online tells me there's another story there that they're not telling us. And they don't have to, right? Or, yeah. Mm. yeah, that's interesting. But good. Yeah. I, I, I saw, I was trying to look, I have something here called Garma Guard and my screen just doesn't show anything. Yeah, it tends to eat it. Yeah, it still eats it. I, these backgrounds are horrible. Okay, here it is. So there's Garma Guard. Which what is, is that? it was actually on Shark Tank when they were doing this uh, when you know in, in the height of the pandemic, huh. and um, supposedly you spray it on your clothes, mm 
Huh. It and? botanically eliminates odor, naturally refreshes and clean and cl and cleanses fabrics. And it's naturally derived, biodegradable, cruelty free. They have like a rabbit with a line across it, non toxic, and non GMO. I don't know what that is. What is GMO? Genetically, genetically modified organism. Okay. And never tested on animals, naturally derived ingredients, natural propellant, washes away with normal laundry. So you spray it on your clothes. So the idea that they had was when you went out, huh. If you if your clothes picked up any virus, you can spray it on your clothes, and you're good to go. You know, it's antiviral then, antimicrobial yeah. as well. Okay. Well, it doesn't say that, and that's what I was looking for. I was looking for the antimicrobial thing, but it's careful not to say that. Um, yeah, there's nothing on here. That so it's not just a whole bunch of chemicals, right? It, it is. You can't pronounce. Yeah, it, it, it is not. Uh, at least that's what they said. Um, it has botanical ingredients, citric acid, water, okay. sodium, octylisulfate, uh, lactic acid, malic acid, acetic acid, perlargonic acid, sodium olefin sulfate, ammonium, uh, you could tell I was, a, I was not a biology or a chemistry major. Um, ammonium alkaline, <laughs> polyoxythylene sulfate, and alcohols, ethoxylated, it said. Okay. Um, so it has a whole bunch of stuff in there. <laughs> you really need to use it? Because remember, it goes into your skin. Uh, well, it goes on the outside of your clothing. So what you would do is, let's say you just get off a plane, um, you know, you would just spray your clothes with it. Okay. Yeah. So that's what they said. I, I don't know if it works. There's no way to know if it works, but they, um, they, I think they got a backer on Shark Tank and forget, you know, those of you who don't know, Shark Tank is a show that where entrepreneurs come on on TV and they say they have products or whatever it is. And so this was one of those. Um, but I thought it was antimicrobial, but it's not. Hmm. Well, this so, is United. I'm... So which means that United is doing really well with the sponsors and they don't want to get rid of that. <laughs> they, they have, I like their articles. I think they have some very interesting articles. It's because you like the three perfect days, right? That's getting a little, because <laughs> I would never spend three perfect days. All they do is eat. I know, exactly. We know what it is. And people are talking like, when I travel, I don't eat. Like I'm not. They the, do. You know, and these people have money. Yeah. Well, well, well. You know, I mean, the audience and uh, Flies United does have money. Um, but people are always like, "Oh, I want to go out to a nice restaurant." I'm like, "No, I just want to go eat from the vendor on the side of the street, as long as it's clean." <laughs> I'm not the fancy restaurant person, so it's interesting when you see these articles. And people always ask me, where do you go to eat when you go somewhere? And I'm like, I don't know. Just go down the street and yeah. pick a restaurant and go. Why do I have to tell you where to go? <laughs> as local as possible. Right, exactly. You know, Go look for the crowds or just ask your front desk. Say, where do you go for dinner when you actually eat out? And most of them, they don't get paid very well. So they'll tell you, I don't eat out. <laughs> or they will tell you the place that you can go and you don't have to spend a fortune. 
Now, if, if you're looking for luxury, you can always ask your concierge and say, look, tell me the place in town where you go for high-end eating. So I don't see... I don't see why people ask. I understand why they ask, but I don't really see why they ask. If you get if you get what I mean, because if 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 I if, you know if I like Jamaican food, and I tell you, yep, this place has the best Jamaican food in in the town, but you don't like Jamaican food. You like Italian food. You're gonna ask me where's the Italian? Man? I'm like, well, I don't know. Or hmm. I may tell you where a Mexican place is, and and just so you know, if you see a Mexican restaurant that's not in the United States or in Mexico, don't go. The food's gonna be terrible, uh, just saying. <laughs> but anyway, um, and that's from personal experience. <laughs> all right, Krisha, I'm digressing again, right? Uh, was it all you had about the United one? Yes. Okay, all right, cool. All right, so um, the US, <laughs> it's COVID, but you know, the, the people who have way too much money will always tell you, this is the best time to form an airline if you have a lot of money. But one, it's probably true because the planes are cheap and they're parked and they're not going anywhere. Um, yes. And the people who are creating the, the, you know, the airline manufacturers, they have all these planes probably sitting there that they need to get rid of. So two airlines were formed. Um, I already told you about the other one, but we're going to talk about uh, Breeze. Yes, this airline called Breeze. So tell us about Breeze. What's going on? Breeze is the um, fourth, um, actually the fifth. No, sorry. It's the fourth brainchild of David Neeleman, who started WestJet, Morris Air, that was taken over by Southwest, uh, JetBlue, and Brazilian carrier Azul. Yep. So Breeze started operations uh, late last month, I think. Um, their first route was from Tampa in Florida to Charleston in South Carolina. Uh-huh. Also from, um, there was another service, and from Hartford in Connecticut to Charleston in South Carolina. Um, what I thought was odd is that they started before they got their main aircraft, which is the Airbus 220. So what they did is that they've leased about 11 or 13, uh, 11 to 13 aircraft that were excess from Azul yeah. in Brazil. And they've also got them on lease from Nordic uh, Capital, which is the leasing company. Jeez, I wonder how so, they got those deals. Hmm. <laughs> aircraft don't have first class which the 220s um, will have. And that's coming, I believe, at the, uh, towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So what Breeze is focused on is point-to-point service between secondary cities in the US and mainly to leisure destinations. So they're not going after business traffic. And they say that over 95% of the city pairs they are flying between have no competition, but that is not going to last because um, most airlines are going to jump in and um, start competing. I mean, Avello is seeing that as well on the West Coast with Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, so for now, that's Breeze's modus operandi, if you will. And um, 
they're supposed to be the nice airline, nicest airline in the world. And um, in a cute twist, their fares are nice, which is uh, the basic, the cheapest fare. You get a 29 to 31 inch seat pitch with a carry-on uh, bag. And I, th- I don't think that's a, like a regular carry-on. It's just a, a personal item. Yeah, so, so it's not a you, carry-on. Right. So if you buy a nicer fare, uh, you get a slightly higher pitch in your seat comfort. And you're also allowed um, a carry-on bag as well as snacks um, that are included in the fare. Bags, you have to pay for any check-in bags, you have to pay $20, up to three bags. And the nicest fare is for first class on the 220s. That is coming later. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no in-flight entertainment, but there is Wi-Fi. And um, there's programming that's available to you. But you have to provide your own device. Mm. Um, <clears throat> what else is there? You are allowed changes to your ticket and you're given 24 months to redeem it. Um, It's in terms of a voucher. There's no change fees. And um, yeah, they plan to have four bases in Tampa, in New Orleans, in Austin, Texas, and in Norfolk, in Virginia. So they're sort of concentrating right now in the Southeast and the Northeast if you can call it that. But um, I'm sure in uh, a few months, they will expand their, ne- their network. And by the end of July, they expect to have 39 different routes in service mm-hmm. with these um, 190 and 195 aircraft. But I believe they're supposed to be disposed of once the uh, um, 220s come in. So um, it's to be seen how well they do and how long um, they can succeed without competition. Yeah, because you know the allegiance and the frontiers of the world are not going to allow this new entrant to um, right in, uh, come in and challenge them yeah. because this, they follow the same principle: secondary cities to leisure destinations. And, and that's so, why that's why with these airlines, I'm always like, you're not doing anything new. Everything you've just said to me is being done on some other airline. So what you're flying from Tampa to where again? Charleston. Tampa to Charleston. Who flies Tampa to Charleston? I mean, th- those two cities, yes, they're actually two 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 big secondary cities. They have quite a quite a, a good bit of population, and yes, people will drive. But who's so basically? I would think that um, the, it's people who are going to other cities that's around those two cities and right. they're just driving. So one major difference that Breeze seems to think they have regarding other airlines is that they feel they have no need to fly the aircraft 12 hours a day to get money. They said four or five hours per day on average is okay for them, as they claim. And um, on off-peak days, the aircraft stay on the ground. I'm not sure how that works, but they also claim that they got these aircraft cheap. Um, I'm sure they did. He got them from Azul. So I, he made a sweet but I don't know how long, company. 
that's <laughs> going to last with the 220s that are new and coming from Airbus. So, um, yeah. Yeah. but this is a smart man and he knows what he's doing. So, so how do you think they got those, those plane from Brazil to here? That's a, that took a while, right? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's just where they normally deliver them here, right? Because U.S. airlines are huge in terms of using the 190s. Well, yeah, I guess. 195s. That's, that's true. And uh, it's, it's overland all the way when you think about it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, so. And they have nothing in them. It's not like Hawaii where under 717s, they actually put extra fuel tanks in them. Okay. And I, I need to find that picture. There's a picture where they put actual fuel tanks inside. Because the remember, they get these to Australia as well, right? Yeah. Well, that's Alliance. kind of how they do them. They got to yeah. take out all the all the seats and put extra fuel tanks yeah. in. Yeah. And these are extra fuel tanks like inside the plane. Uh, I need to find yeah. that 717 picture because it's actually very cool. You see the big tanks inside the plane. It's really neat. Um, so, yeah. So, so is he still in charge of Azul or he left? No, he, uh, no. I think he, I believe he's left. Yeah, Azul, yeah. He's kind of so, odd. But he, he's um, you know what? I'm not sure because um, remember, Azul owns part of DAP Portugal, Air Portugal uh -huh. as well, and I think he was involved in that aspect. So, uh, yeah, he knows um, a lot. Of I'm not sure. He knows a lot of people with a lot of money, so that's good. Yes. Um, yes. And this was one month after Avello launched, which is yeah. Andrew Levi's airline uh, based in um, Burbank in California. Well, well, yeah, but he's based, the, the headquarters is in Houston. These airlines are weird because the headquarters for Breeze is in Salt Lake City. Yes. But and they have this like, very unique agreement yeah. with a university in Utah. Yeah, but I heard that they the, had to change that. I read something that said in order for them to get the flight attendants that they needed to start, they had to change huh. the agreement. Is that right? Yes, there was. So I thought that, they. There was something that still said, had that agreement. Well, I think they still had the agreement, but they but they didn't have, they couldn't get any flight attendants from that. Okay. For the start, so they had to actually go hire regular flight attendants to do it. If I'm not mistaken. So, That's okay. I read, what I read somewhere. Um, but yeah, well, I you know I need to go fly them. It's <laughs> all these airlines when they come up with all these these marketing things, nice, nicer, nicest, whatever. Um, just give me a, just give me a. Um, I think what happened is, and a lot of the airlines don't do that, right? You need to ask the consumers what they want, and we know the consumer, the consumers, they want a cheap fare. And they want to be able to bring their bags and boards with them. So why don't you figure out a way to let them do that? So actually, two more things I want to talk, tell you about uh -huh. um, regarding this airline. Um, you have to do, you as a passenger have to do most of the work. You have to check in online. You have to print out your boarding pass. And if you need, to, if you choose to do that, and you have to um, board yourself uh, at the gate, because the staff on the ground are going to be limited. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that yeah, works in Europe, us. but Americans don't, don't like that. <laughs> they don't. I mean, it's 
it's and you've seen it in Europe because that's what they've just take what you just described is what um what's the one uh, what's the one that really cheap Ryanair. Ryanair does, and, does all except Ryanair yeah. actually have people who help you at the board because people need guidance. That's yeah. and that's what we keep. We tend to forget. People, it's tend like to you know, lose their mind once they enter an airport. I know when my parents travel, they don't know what to do. So, and I know that's not their target, but those people will fly. And even you know the millennials is who they're targeting. Like everybody is targeting mm -hmm. millennials. But a lot of millennials are clueless. Yep. They don't know when you get to an airport, they just know that they have a ticket to go, but they don't really know what they need. They're too busy looking at their phones. Exactly. Which luckily so, boarding pass in it. <laughs> so Yeah. So speaking of boarding passes, they Breeze wants to create a super app where you can book your ticket as well as make dinner reservations. Uh, you can reserve um, Airbnb rentals, you can organize airport transfers, destination attractions, and also tickets to local events. Jan, that's not new. The big For an airline app? Yeah, the airlines do that right now. They, they, do they, they really? Yeah, they cross-sell you every time you're buying something, they cross-sell you. So well, it's not in the app. I've never really seen it in the United app, but I'm not probably not. It, I, well, the United the app, they probably do that after, like on the on the book. Look, it's a lot of fluff, right? Because all the stuff that they're saying, um, it, it's it's just fluff. But good luck to them. <laughs> I will fly them. <laughs> You're not in a very generous frame of mind, are you? No, because I, Kusha, how many airlines we've seen come and go? I know. But uh, this guy... This guy has an enviable track record. I know he does, but the airline he formed here in the U.S., JetBlue, is not is no longer the JetBlue that he formed. And does it matter? Well, it does because whenever they whenever they start off these little airlines, uh, it's like WestJet. WestJet is not the WestJet he formed. WestJet is now a full a full line. Sustain it. I mean, um, who are we to argue, right? No, I'm okay with that. Right, I'm very huh. okay with that. But when you huh. come in and you you're selling me something that you know is not going to work. It's only going to work initially. But so, so, so what JetBlue did was JetBlue came in and gave you something that people were asking for at the time. People are addicted to JetBlue. It's like Apple. So no matter what JetBlue does, they will still fly JetBlue. No matter what Apple does, you will still buy Apple products. Is that wrong? Is that the, the, the company's fault? Yes. If they change their strategy? Well, and people still because sometimes you so people buy apple like i bought an apple computer and it doesn't work it was overheating yesterday um it's not supposed to overheat the thing said that we fixed it so it doesn't overheat we didn't put a fan in because the whole thing the whole thing about this new m1 chip is that it doesn't do all that but it did it was really hot yesterday it's not hot today but it was really hot yesterday and so people are going to go buy Apple because they're Apple. But the thing that you just put out was no good because it has problems. And I understand that things are not going to, things are not going to work. Mm. But when you come out with something like, like Breeze saying it's simple, and when your marketing is against the other airlines, like WestJet came out and their marketing was that Air Canada sucks. But now you are Air Canada. 
<laughs> so that's that's just my thing about all this you know it's like but in it anyway i'm uh so. I'm, I'm off on a, i'm off on a tangent again uh but i want i want to go fly breeze and i think i'm going to try a nice fair and then a nicer fair and a nicest fair and see which one which one of the fairs is nicest <laughs> just don't give people something to complain about is my thing right um let me check a bag. Let me, but just, just tell me that I have one fare, right? And if you want to take a bag, that's fine. If you don't want to take a bag, that's fine too. But it's one fare, done. Because the problem is that people don't know what they bought. And then people go, oh, um, I didn't know I'd, I bought the fare that said I couldn't bring a bag. I just bought the cheapest fare. I thought I could just pay for my bag at the airport. And then you're like, oh, but... Um, that's the passenger's fault to take a little bit no. of ownership and responsibility. But it is also the airline's fault, right? Because what, what the airlines always says, well, I told you so. But you know what? When they get to the airport, it's the agent. And then if they're saying they're going to cut down on a number of people because mm -hmm. they save money, then when you get to the airport, the customer is going to have a really bad experience. Right. And I know that, uh, you know, it's it, it, yes, it is up to the customer to read everything. But we know that mm -hmm. they don't do that. And because but then whose fault is that? Whose fault um, is that? It's the customer, but it's also the airline's fault because you know that the customer is not going to read what you what you said to them or what you're doing, huh? That's not the airline's problem, right? The airline is telling them yeah, this is it, what it's going to be like. If you don't listen, that's your fault and your problem yeah but it becomes the airline's um problem and then what did they do they punch the flight attendant in the face and right? they go on social media and complain exactly so what you need to do as an airline is you need to figure out a way to stop to manage a customer's expectation enough so they don't punch out your your employees Oh, see, I disagree because customers have unrealistic expectations. They they want they everything do. without having to pay for it. I know they do, and 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 you know, and I do not advocate for customers hitting um, employees or anybody hitting anyone, right? But what I'm saying is that it happens, and it happens because people get. You've seen it. People yeah. get really up in person too, right? You've seen, when people get really upset. When you tell them, it's like people show up at the airport and you go, you're going to, when we had, you used to get visas for um, Brazil. It's like, you have to get a visa for Brazil. They're like, well, I didn't know that. And now they're arguing with the agent who's not the agent fault. So what right. the airlines have done to try to help them is to constantly send them emails and say, you need a visa, you need a visa, you need to go get a visa, you need to go get a visa. Um, but we're creating people who are so helpless and always a victim I completely understand it but this is a society that we live in right and because it's a society that we live in as uh, as as airlines because people already hate the airline they already do they they just like i'm gonna have a bad experience and so if you know that that's going to be the case don't create something that is so complex because they have three different fares with three different rules. And I guarantee you, Fisher, people are going to buy the cheap fare and try to get there. With And some people are going to legitimately not know what they bought. And some people yeah. know what they bought and they and try to get, get, away and get around yeah. it, right? And so because he's saying that 
I'm not going to have many airline people, the airline to take care of it. So what does that person do when they get to the airport and it's not working because either they made a mistake or they didn't understand what they were getting into, which happens all the time. How do you have a, where's the person that's going to help them? Mm. Oh, great. You need to pay some more money. Um, yep. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that we just, as airlines, whenever we start new airlines, we really need to think of the customers that we're dealing with. But if, I don't think it's also new. It's just new airlines. It's all airlines. Look at the number of fares on, yes. on the other. It is all airlines. And so, all, so now we, so now we get a new airline and they created the exact same problem. You, you, you haven't <laughs> solved anything. Right? You haven't solved the problem that people are having. You just like, oh, I'm cool. I have nice fares. Who cares? All I, all I want to know is that it's, it's, is it $39? And I am going to buy the $39 fare. I'm not going to buy the $49 just because I want to carry a bag because I know that when I flew on another airline, I can just go to the gate and they'll check it for me. But now there's a new airline and that's not going to happen. And now I'm going to argue with the gate agent. But wait a sec, there is no gate agent because I'm the one checking in myself. So you've created no. problems that, and can't wait for the first thing to happen. As soon as the first thing happens, they're going to- Weather be- delays or an aircraft you know maintenance it. issue. You know, it's something is going to happen. It's going to get triggered and then they're going to be, and you know, all you have to do is complain to the DOT once. And then, you know, all hell breaks loose and they have to go, oh yeah, now we're going to hire more people or we're going to get yeah. rid of the nice fare and just have the nicer and the nicest fare. It looks good on paper. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I'm the customer advocate, right? So I always have to, and, and, and yes, I get it. Not always right. The customer, they're not always right. I agree with you. They are not always right. However, though, we just need to, we need to be unfortunately the customer gets their way the, right. more sometimes even when they're wrong exactly exactly and, yes uh, being someone that used to be the customer service person uh, in the back end that always fixes the problems even when you fix the problem even when you give the customer exactly what they ask you for they want more still want more you know so yep. um i think he's just creating problems for his employees and i don't agree with that but um, let's talk about Southwest. <laughs> or is that all you had for Breeze? <laughs> uh, is it all you had for Breeze? Oh, that's it. Um, oh, wait, say again? No, that was. Okay, that was it. All right. It was anything but a Breeze to get through. Exactly. <laughs> okay, but even speaking of that, Chris Show, um, we're talking about customers and their behavior. Um, as a result of customers being weird on flights, the U.S. airlines, some of them, has said no liquor. Tell us what's going on. No, no alcohol. Yes. Yes. Um, so Americans who started this uh, because there had been a spate of incidents of um, uh, outright violence against crew. Uh, I'm not sure it was alcohol-induced, but it was just people being weird uh, and not knowing their limits. Mm-hmm. But Southwest started it uh, by announcing there would be no, no liquor on sale, no no liquor on board. Uh, period. 
in an attempt to curb this um, uh, this bad behavior by passengers. Is that temporary? American then, no, Southwest has not announced when they're going to uh, resume sales. Okay. American then, then uh, jumped in and said they were going to suspend all alcohol sales in the economy cabin until September 13th, at least September 13th. As now, ironically, first class don't get upset, right? When they get drunk. Hmm. Carry on. <laughs> but September 13th is also when the um, FAA lifts the mask mandate, at least as of now. The next one, yeah. Um, so yes, so the policy is going to be reviewed as of September 13th. Um, but you can still get a drink in the air in um, first and business class on American Airlines. Of course, those two cabins are not present on Southwest, but there's no pre-departure drink on um, American. Delta, for some reason, has not found it necessary to do this, and they resumed their liquor sales, I believe, in May, as, as did Alaska. And Frontier and Allegiant never seemed to have had a problem. Um, United said it was restarting alcohol, um, I think, soon, in June. But now they've modified it and said that um, only flights that are longer than 800 miles would get alcohol um, compared to 200 miles the last time around. Hmm. So they've modified their procedure as well. So I'm not sure why American and Southwest and maybe United are having this problem mainly, but it all stems from the fact that there's been a lot of violence on flights, in particular about this case that I believe you spoke about, where a Southwest flight attendant had lost two teeth Mm -hmm. after being hit by an idiot passenger on one of his yeah. flights. So <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's great. My, my, the thing about alcohol is um, I think they need to come up with, again, right? The flight attendants are the one policing the policy. Mm -hmm. um, they're you the ones on the front line. They're the ones on the front line. You probably need some kind of minimums uh, because from a customer standpoint, people are going to be like, well, I'm okay. I never do this. I fly all the time and I just want to get a drink because you know, I paid for first class. This is what I paid for. Mm. Right? I paid so I could drink as much as I want so I could get drunk and go to sleep. That's one side of the coin. But you see, that really hasn't changed though. Uh, well, unless I'm in first class, right? If I'm in first class, I can still drink and go to and go right. to as much as I want. Right. Um, but what it does, it makes it sound like the people who fly first class aren't the ones who get belligerent, which, you know. For the most part, that is true, though. Yeah. The, well, that's what's happened so far. Yes. Um, yes. It, it's it's a tough one. I'm glad I don't have to make this decision. <laughs> Because I can see the revenue aspect of it, right? Where mm -hmm. they're saying, yeah, because alcohol sales are, people drink a lot of alcohol on planes. So they're taking a hit. It's like, we're already not making any money. What's going on? How we, yeah. So this this is a tough call. Um, I, but yeah. So they need they need to figure that out. Um, I would think though, and, and this policy has always been there where flight attendant, if you look drunk, no more alcohol for you. 
But you know how people get when they get drunk? Yep. And you try to stop them from drinking. That's when they get weird. Um, no, they need these people need to be punished severely. Uh, they do. They do. So I, you know, I, I understand from the airline standpoint that I want to make money. I understand from the consumer standpoint that you're taking away something from me because some people are idiots. Why can't you just handle the people who are idiots? Why can't you just look at a person? Because you can tell and go, I'm not giving you any more alcohol. But you know they're going to be, well, I'm not drunk. I can, I can drink six bottles of beer. I'm like, well, yeah, at your home. Well, you're not at your home. You're in our house now. So, and I'm telling you, you can only drink this much. So maybe if it's something that you say in your policy, you say, look, in economy class, um, I'm only going to serve you one drink. And, um, you know, whatever it is, just like how you make me agree to the terms and conditions of the ticket, make me agree to the terms and condition of the alcohol sale or something. But who reads those though? Speaking uh, well, of passengers well, not reading. Right. Again, they won't read it, but at least they've agreed to it. And if they get in trouble, then you can arrest them or something. They don't know they have terms and agreements yeah, that they're supposed point. to have read. Yeah. So, so again, right, it, it's up to communication. Um, but you really have to, you really have to let people know. Just say, oh, just announce, make an announcement when you come on. We're only serving you one one drink. That is it, because you can't see you didn't hear that. I'm in the cabin because they say it right whenever they oh alcohol is open for sale. They say that right. They were they'll be on their phone on some unnecessary call, you do or they'll be sleeping. You do it just before the drink service, and if when when they come over, you go didn't hear. He said, I'm sorry, we're only doing one alcohol service and that's it. So you, you, have, you have to make changes. I wonder what Breeze is going to do. Mm. <laughs> you have to buy everything though, right? Uh, On Breeze. Well, that doesn't stop people who, who want to drink, uh, have a drink. Because with the nicer fare on Breeze, you get a snack. So I don't know how they would distinguish these passengers. <laughs> that's complicated yeah, as well. You have a sticker on your forehead that says nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably where they sit on the plane, is my guess. I, yeah, well, um, and what if maybe, you maybe. A, yes, yes, yes. Might maybe. Be where they sit. Yeah. And what if you bought a nice affair, but you saw a nice seat in the back, or you saw somebody sitting, somebody sitting in a nice seat that you like, and you go and sit next to the nice person, but you're you're from the nicer area. <laughs> Or vice versa. If nicer is open and people move up. Yeah. Well, you can't move up unless you get invited, right? Well. I don't tend to be like, I'm sorry, sir. This nicer seat <laughs> is taken. You need to go back in your nice seat. <laughs> they're supposed to be the world's nicest airline. So can they, will they do that? Is that like, we Google, will see. Is that like Google saying they're not evil? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Oh my God. All right, Kusha. So, um, so yes, yeah, we were talking about Southwest. Yes. And uh, what do you have? What you have a, another story on Southwest? What's going on? So, this is um, again, it doesn't sound like much, but I think it's a great idea. It's uh, their repurpose with a purpose initiative that okay. Southwest has announced. This was on their, uh, on the Southwest blog. I didn't even know there was such a thing, but oh, there yeah. is. So uh, what they have done since 2019 is they have partnered with a Mexican company called Barmex that is based in uh, Mexico City. 
and to recycle more than um, a million pounds, which is about 500,000 kilos of um, aircraft seat covers. Now, they've been doing this since about 2016, and Southwest has all leather seats. Um, so what they've done um, is that they partnered with this company called Baumex to produce 1,500 hand-produced um, soccer balls or footballs um, from these uh, Southwest Airlines seat covers. They're based in this town called Chichihualco, which is in uh, Guerrero State, uh, which is where Acapulco is. Mm. And it was once the center of production of handmade soccer balls um, that were made by local families in the area for uh, decades. Um, the industry, for some reason, has died down. So Southwest has sort of reinvigorated it and um, They've engaged with three nonprofits, YMCA Mexico, the Save the Children, and Special Olympics Mexico to use the balls. Um, and they plan to do this through 2020 and 2021. And I have to say the balls look pretty spiffy in their blue and gray color schemes. That's they look very different. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a, such a good idea. So where did these so, covers come from? Their aircraft, you know, because they have to replace the seats ah. covers every so often. So it's just so instead of just to... discarding them. Yes. Yeah, it's a way to use them. Other than... That's actually yep. quite good. Yep. Yeah. So. See, airlines do do cool stuff every now and again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done, Southwest. Well done. Um, all right. So we're going to move to Europe. And um, what's Wizir doing? <laughs> so this must have been quite a humiliation for Wizir because for a while they looked unstoppable. They were expanding left, right, and center and instilling fear in all their competitors. Abu Dhabi. Yes. Until they came to Norway. Uh-huh. They started domestic Norway um, in um, December, November 2020. We had talked right? about so this. Yes, we had talked about this barely six months ago. They were going to um, by Wizz's own um, estimates, they were going to triple traffic from two million passengers in 2019 to more than six million. In by 2023. Well, guess what? In six months, Wizz Air, unfortunately or not, put their tail between their legs and skedaddled out of Norway, effective June 14th. So not much notice at all. And this was announced May 29th. But you'd be amazed to know the reason why. Because the Norwegians don't like them. <laughs> yes, because it is a non-union airline. Uh -huh. fiercely anti-union uh -huh. and the Norwegians, the Scandinavians really with their, um, I don't want to call it, uh, what is it where, you know, there's a lot of social assistance mm -hmm. and unions and all that sort of thing. So right off the bat, Wizair was in trouble when they started fighting um, with the Norwegian authorities regarding unionizing their Norwegian staff. 
Yeah, stupid. So they started out on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. But um, what they claimed that the decision to quit Norway or inter Norway flying, flying was based on financial commercial assessments. Um, the last months of operations have shown that it is not commercially and financially sustainable to operate in Norway while facing competition, which really is, sounds a little disingenuous because they do face competition right, exactly. from Ryanair and EasyJet in other parts of Europe. But um, other airlines in Norway have received financial assistance, but Wizz Air did not because it's not a Norwegian airline. Correct, right, the Hungarian. So um, one of the main reasons they cited as to the uh, they're quitting Norway was this thing called Fligskam. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that's right, that correctly, but it's F-L-Y-G-S-K-A-M, which is translated into flight shaming. Hmm. Uh, and this was started by none other than Greta Thunberg. Oh, really? Yes, to um, get Norwegians to stop flying and instead take more green alternatives like trains for instance that's kind of sad that they're um, doing the bullying thing well uh they estimate that um uh, where where is this number i'm looking for um these conditions have where did i see this it's actually accounted for um about a nine percent drop in norwegian into Norwegian traffic in the past two years, this flick scum, this <laughs> flight shaming. Yeah. And uh, um, how do they know that? How do, yeah, how do they not know that? That's another thing. Considering they've been so adept at expanding, how do they not estimate that? And how do they not know that before yeah. they went in? Because <laughs> they went in all guns blazing with a lot of bravado, how they were going to take over Norway and all that into Norway flight. But well, that's, uh, well, that's like Uber. When Uber goes into a country, they do that kind of crap. And then locals are like, you can't do that. And they're like, oops, sorry. And you're out. Yeah. So um, no, no uh, surprise, but Avanor, which is the company that manages most airports in Norway, is not at all bothered by this because they say the capacity of Norwegian SAS and this new airline called Flyer Mm-hmm. have sufficient capacity and the withdrawal of Wizz Air uh, is not going to affect anything at all. Yeah, they're, they're, they're no just, way. they were just <clears throat> a thorn in people's side. I mean, you and I talked about it. It was like, well, why are they flying in there? They have enough airlines to serve Norway. Yes. Yeah. So this is actually the first time that I've heard of where Wizz Air has, has, has had its wings clipped, so to speak. Well, but <clears throat> yeah. Maybe thing. they'll be a little bit more careful the next time. And just a little a little nicer to the locals. Yeah, and unions, especially. You know, it, I mean, so, you, that, that's, that's one of those you don't, they didn't take the time to understand the local culture fully. See, but that's so counter to anything Wizard does, though. It's right? A, because they've gone from success to success. And maybe they got a little arrogant. Yeah, well, and you know, Norwegian, <clears throat> Norwegian don't do low fares. I mean, it's it's pretty well, it's Norwegian, no, right? Uh, well, yeah, but it's Norwegian. 
<laughs> so you and I think Norwegian no, knew how to approach the marketplace and make it work. So, and um, it's but it, it it's some rich Nor Norwegians that owns Norwegian, right? So you have to, like anything else, you just have to know the marketplace, know who the players are, and apparently Wazir didn't do a very good job at that, so they got kicked. So here's the numbers I was looking for. In 2018, mm -hmm. this Fligscam, which is this flight shaming, was attributed, I don't know how they did this, um, for a 3% drop in domestic air traffic. Now, that doesn't sound like much. I think they made that up. <clears throat> it sounds like it. But in 2019, it was 9%. They now, again, how do they ascribe this to Fligscam? Yeah, how do you measure that? that they so, yes. I believe all that. So, um, and I also don't believe in flight shaming. Um, but that is a thing, right? Because France is, is, is uh, considering the same thing, right? It is Banning a thing, yeah. flights of less than two and a half hours by train. Um, yeah, but the whole, I, I don't believe in shaming people for doing what they want to do. Just because you think trains are better. Trains are better for you, but I, I want to fly. I don't want to take a train. That's it's, not the way Europe works. But it's my personal preference. You know, so, and I don't think that people should, uh, it's bullying. And we talk about not bullying people. And this is exactly what you're doing. You're telling me that, oh, you're taking a flight and all you're doing is going to the next city. Well, it's none of your business. I can do whatever I want. Well, apparently that's not good enough for the Greens, yeah, the environmentalists. Maybe we do need to get a little more aggressive. Otherwise, people are just not going to change their attitudes. Well, but you don't. The the whole shaming thing is is not. So, what's uh, the alternative? Um, sort of difficult, it, right? It is difficult. But if, but, Krishna, if if I want to fly, I don't don't tell me I can't take a train. I want to fly, and if I want to take a train, then that then I want I want to take a train. I may not like trains. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, yes, it's, you yes, know, I do. But I just don't. I don't like when when people bully others and and shame you, uh, and and people do that on the internet a lot. And yeah. it's like it's none of your damn business what I do with my money. I get what it's, I, it, it's mostly on the internet. I would not that I would know because <laughs> I'm not the ex social media expert. But a lot of it is cowardice, right? Because they can hide behind their persona. You can totally hide behind a persona, exactly. And it's like, who are so, you to tell me that I can't take a train if I want to? You know, or take a plane so, if I want to. You know, and 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 then you 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 and a whole bunch of people just start pouncing on me just because I decided to fly. Instead, and some of the airlines, I think, um, wasn't it KLM, the CEO came out and said something um, about that initially, about the whole... About he, what is this? He said, <clears throat> came out and he said something about, God, I can't remember now, something about you should, um, you should actually fly longer distances rather than take a plane or something like that. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, I can't remember. Maybe I just missed it. There was some statement so. that he said, which I don't know if that was a. It was. It wasn't a part of the flight shaming thing, but there was something about, um, the, the similar to what we talked about with Air France, saying that okay, you know, you should only you should only fly, 
you should but you, see this is the french parliament though yeah right the senate saying but, that but again it's the same thing that you're trying to set you're trying to tell people how to live their lives and it's like <clears throat> seriously but i don't like trains i don't want to take trains planes are safer than trains yeah so i i just don't get it but um why can't we just stop bullying people i don't like bullying <laughs> um but too bad for was there i guess they'll change their strategy for the next country they try to boldly go <laughs> first thing i said how did they not know this because they thought they could get away with it yeah you're right yeah the, what they should have done was find a local norwegian uh investor that would be the front man and he would talk <laughs> or she would talk and then um they would get away with it but yeah bizarre but see they've gotten away with it so far though right uh in other that? yeah well <clears throat> they, maybe they got a little overconfident because, yes yes i still don't understand abu dhabi but that's a whole other story yeah i know um all right let's fly over to asia um I saw this story and I was like, no, not the A380s. So is as you know, a lot of airlines- Pontus or Malaysia? Malaysia, yeah. A lot of airlines have parked their A380s. <laughs> and um, yeah, we thought that Malaysia would have survived, but nope. This was not the right aircraft for Malaysia at all, because it's a small airline and this plane was just way, way too big. it was only flying certain routes and they've been wanting to get rid of it since 2016 they have six of them um there's um an entire maintenance line at kuala lumpur to take care of these aircraft yeah and as i said they've been really they've been white elephants in the malaysia fleet because they've flown only select routes mainly yeah. to london and some other cities in europe and australia uh they've tried to uh lease them out but they haven't had any takers as i said since 2016 and what is even more ironic is that they held on to them for all this while but yeah. as part of the restructuring what malaysia wants to do is to become more than just an airline they want to do more maintenance work this mro and also cargo because that's where the real money is so uh, they reasoned by getting rid of the their 380s they could free up this one maintenance line at kl and use it to uh maintain airline um uh, and maintain the aircraft for other airlines so that's part of their um revitalization campaign and unfortunately the 380 was one of the casualties oh man so i'm not sure what they're going to do with them because they really i don't believe have flown a lot of hours but um i doubt they're going they're going to have an easy time finding buyers for these aircraft so it would be a real shame for them to be parted out at such a young age but yeah such is life i know and so, uh, <laughs> the interesting about A380 is that it was such a big fanfare right it was the most environmentally friendly airplane how quickly things change 
it best because it's marketing, right? And and that's that's the problem that we have in the air in uh, aviation industry. There's so but some, per passenger it is. Yeah, but there are right? other things, right? There are other, yes. other things other than environmentally friendly, which I'm okay with. <clears throat> but you also have to think of the uh, what's it the, fi- the financial side of it, right? Yeah. And it just pandemic. Didn't, right. It didn't make financial it. sense in the pandemic. <clears throat> so yep, real fight for the airline, and not to mention that Malaysia, they've just had so much issues, and they've never yeah. come back since since the plane disappeared and the one that got shot down. Yeah, you know it's yep, and it probably is going to take a while for them to even. There's been so many rumors about the airline being liquidated. Uh, yeah. And Firefly taking over, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I know it is. Like, it, it is kind of crazy because it's a prestige thing. It is a prestige because Thai is in the same boat, right? Yes, and hopefully, uh, and they still can't fly to the U.S. Um, I, I was hoping that they would clean that up, but they still can't no. Fly to the US. <clears throat> um. So crazy. Uh. All right. What's I, the next topic? I was searching and I did find a thing about the KLM CEO. Um, What he was talking, so they've actually done, they have flights that go between Belgium and uh, Amsterdam. And um, hold on just one sec. I have to remember where this was, 136. So the, the KLM thing. He said that um, in a June 29 open letter from CEO Peter Elvers, KLM um, said uh, it was asking its readers to make responsible decisions about flying. So um, the letter is part of the airline's larger fly responsibility program, which was launched in June 2019 with the aim of helping to make air travel more sustainable. Flying is terrible for their environment with the aviation industry alone, making up 2% of global carbon emissions is what they had in in parentheses. I don't know if that came from the statement or not. It said, um, already KLM stands out for its eco-friendly efforts. The airline recycles 14 kinds of waste on each flight, upcycles all uniforms the cabin carpet in, has paper-free cockpit, and maintains electric vehicles on the ground. The airline today uses fuel that's 57 times more sustainable than it when it used in 2011. So, um, and something that they're doing, which I didn't realize is they are between Brussels and Amsterdam, which take about two hours. They are actually not flying that route. They're gonna use trains apparently because they wanna use, they wanna get their their zero, the zero emission thing that they're trying to get to. So that's one of the things. So there's a bunch of article about um, them not flying anything under two hours because they want you to take the train. But it's probably tied into the into the France mandate. But then all of like, I'm sure Hamburg, Amsterdam, is also two hours, right? So all that's gone going away. Um, <clears throat> they were only talking about. Because they started it in 2019, it says KLM, Talis, and NS Dutch Railways have joined forces to okay. flights between Brussels and huh. um, and Amsterdam. 
Okay. So this is already this is already effective March 29, 2020. They will replace one of its daily service between Brussels and Amsterdam with seat capacity aboard the Thales high-speed trains. In recent months, KLM, Thales, and uh, NS Dutch Railways have developed a long-term plan to reduce the number of flights between Brussels and Schiphol. The basic mm. premise being that the product should match its current appeal to customers. Okay. But I don't want to take the train. <coughs> I want to fly. <laughs> Partly, I can't. Um, so that's what's going on. So that was that's what I had read. Um, all right. So uh, we're up to Qantas getting some so, press. Yes. Uh, so two stories on Qantas. Uh huh. This was a weird one. Um, again, I'm not sure this is that out of the ordinary. But um, there was a recent 60 Minutes Australia story about Qantas being, as they called it, infiltrated by organized criminals. <laughs> and I'm not sure that was a really fair headline. No. <clears throat> but it, uh, um, they... yeah, it's like they. Um, and uh, what long story and long short of it is that they found that about 150 employees of Qantas at most of the major cities were, in, were involved in criminal activities that were a threat to national security. Okay. Now, given that Qantas has over 30,000 employees, 150 doesn't sound like a lot, but it's still concerning. So um, what they discovered apparently this was um, a project called Brunello. Uh, they determined that a quote-unquote significant uh, number of Qantas staff are linked to criminality, um, including, as they said, trusted insiders um, of a motorcycle gang affiliate linked to uh, a very well-known cartel boss called Hakan Ayik. Now, this is a Turkish guy. He's Aust actually Australian. He's currently hiding in Turkey. And I don't know if you heard the news in the last two days about this big takedown of criminals with this um, app called Anom, where um, it really was an FBI-backed um, chat app, if you will. And they managed to um, infiltrate all these criminal organizations in several dozen countries. And this guy was apparently one of the uh, main people who inadvertently helped the FBI and the Australian border forces. So um, <clears throat> um, it's mainly due to drug smuggling. And they found several cases of Qantas staff being um, involved in nefarious activities. They've also found seven um, Qantas people involved in child exploitation, including a network of uh, sex offenders at uh, Brisbane Airport. Now, again, I'm fairly certain this is happening at all 
airlines in some way, shape or form, because I know um, United had the same um, issue with some San Juan stuff in Puerto Rico. But this got a lot of attention um, because Qantas is the only commercial airline in Australia holding what is called a trusted traveler, trusted um, uh, traveler accreditation, which with the Australian Border Forces, which means that every single employee hired by um, uh, Qantas has to pass very stringent tests set up by the border force. And Qantas, of course, was very strong in its denial that it was involved in this or didn't know about it because they said they hadn't heard anything untoward from the border forces about these employees. But nonetheless, this has been exposed and um, Qantas has a lot of red faces, but I'm sure this will all die down once things calm down, if you will. But I just thought this was worth uh, mentioning. Have I lost you? Sorry. Uh, yeah. sorry, that's crazy. I had, I had to think on mute. Uh, there's some background noise. I was trying to keep it out. Um, okay. That's crazy. I mean, seriously. So what did the, the, new, the newspaper just decided to do a story or they got a tip off or? Here's the thing, this Br Project Brunello that was organized by the Australian Border Forces was released in July, 2020. Uh -huh. So why did this come out in June, 2021? They might have had an embargo on it or something. They were probably still doing some investigation. Yeah, but I mean, they, had, they sat on it for a year. Mm -hmm. None of these employees was fired. Well, that happened. Caught. They might have been doing an investigation and the story just finally came out. Um, or you know, They released the report, though. Yeah, there was probably enough grief happening in 2020. They figured that people could handle <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <now. laughs> this is true. This is true. Yes. Uh, so lots of mid-level manager positions at Sydney Operations, Perth, uh, and Brisbane Airport. That's crazy. So I'm pretty sure they're going to fire them all, right? I mean, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's but insane. Don't you think this happens at all airlines? And we just, these people just got caught. Yeah. We just don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that happen. <laughs> yep. I mean, because think about it, right? Um, I was on a flight coming back from Mexico. And um, the the pilot was like, I hate this flight. I hate this flight. And he goes, because I always go to secondary uh, from this flight. So, I mean, mean? They, so whenever you come in from, um, like, whenever I go to Mexico, I, oh, sorry? Secondary, sc secondary screening? Secondary screening. Yes, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he says that that particular flight always have secondary screening. And so he hates working it. Um, okay. yeah, not that he's carrying anything in, but it's just a lot of hassle. Um, and, you know, same thing for, like, I had nothing and the guy checked everything. And then I said to him, I go, are you looking for something in particular? I can help you. He goes, no. And he gave me this straight, this straight, a straight uh, look. <laughs> Shut up. 
I had to shut up exactly. I'm doing my job, you know, which, which, which is fine. I had nothing to hide, but um, everybody on that flight went through secondary screening. So, yeah, I mean, I, and you see these, you see these people with so much stuff and you wonder like, well, but you just went for a weekend. What do you, <laughs> <laughs> or, or you're overnighting, you flew in last night and you, <laughs> you're flying on the next day. What do you have in that bag? Uh, so yes, um, yeah, I guess that kind of stuff does happen. <laughs> Welcome to our industry. <laughs> All right, so, so you have more news on Qantas, right? Yes, so I'm not even sure why we're mentioning this because this is really nothing new, but it's, it, was, it, it was on CNN of all places. Yeah. And I guess it was one of these cute stories um, and it involves the 380s. So, I mean, no surprise, lots of people know that Qantas has stored most of their 380s in um, California, in the desert, yes. the Mojave Desert. Yep. Um, and when you store these aircraft, um, you have to cover up all sorts of things, like the wheels and the brakes and the engines and all the, whole, the, the orifices of, of the aircraft surface and things like that. Yep. Well... For some reason, this was an article in CNN that the 380s in particular were attracting rattlesnakes and scorpions. Now, these are very common in the desert. Yeah, yeah. And they were hiding in the wheel wells and in the wheels that were warm because these aircraft have to be constantly moved, uh, you know, to make sure the wheels maintain their roundness. And things like that. And they have to be so, flown. Because I saw Yes, they have flying. to be flown. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, one of the A380s. So these aircraft require periodic checks. The fuel needs to be drained and this and that. Um, other fluids need to be, you know, flushed and things like that. So um, what they were discovering is that these Qantas engineers were getting nasty surprises from these rattlesnakes and scorpions. So they devised this scheme where they used, they bought broom handles. Apparently they bought 11 or 12 broom handles. Um, and uh, they used each of them individually for each A380 that was on the ground. And before any of these engineers would start their checks, they would go around banging the aircraft with these broom handles to scare away uh, the snakes and the scorpions. Um, and that is, in essence, was the gist of the story on CNN. So, so the fact is that these aircraft, because they're so heavy, um, they have to maintain the roundness of the wheels. So right. They have to keep moving them. Yep, yep. So the engineers were constantly having to go up to these planes and perform all this work. And that was when they were being surprised, if you will, by these... Um, uh, what what the what are snakes, snakes called? Snakes and stock reptiles. Yeah, well, I hope that so, none, of, none of them were scared of reptiles. <laughs> I well, seeing a rattlesnake wouldn't be particularly enduring. Uh, but <laughs> dude, I grew up in the country in Jamaica, and scorpions are terrible things. I know they are. So yeah, I would not be. They're no. natural to their environment there in the desert. But um, yeah, but no, 
<laughs> See, you know what's interesting about this uh, is that um, there were the, the like you know we've learned so much about our industry, right? Um, and there was something else that came up recently where there is those hotels in Las Vegas, oh. the maintenance people, uh -huh. they would have to go and flush the toilets and turn the waters on every, every yes. so often. Yeah. So what they will do, they will start at one end oh. and they would turn on the turn in each room, they would turn on the pipes. Then they would do that for every room and they walk to the end of the room. And then on their way back, they would turn them all off again. Oh my God, what a colossal waste of water. Well, the problem is apparently if the water sits and doesn't go anywhere, huh. um, you get legionnaires. Oh, is that right? Oh yes. God. <laughs> yes, there's a high propensity of legionnaires and they had stats. I need to find a story and send it. I should, we should have included it to this. That was a big deal in the eighties, right? Yes. Legionnaires disease. Exactly. And so, um, they were talking about it like this is a big deal, you know. Of course, they were, you know, it's not around anymore. But with all these hotels that have been sitting there and not, not being, not but wouldn't that be in all hotels everywhere around the world? Um, the I would think so, but I assume that they were doing it in other places, right? But it just goes to show that all the little things that still have to be done, yeah. Um, although. You never hear about these. Yeah, you never hear about them. I'll try to find the story. I thought it was actually quite, quite interesting. So, Same thing with the planes, right? I mean, uh, I saw the one about the, them flying A380 every now and again, just to make yeah. sure everything is still good. Yep. Um, and they take them to LAX, which is so it's not a very long flight, but yeah. it's still a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, <clears throat> still a lot of fuel and stuff. To, and then somebody was like, why didn't they keep them in Alice Springs or something? And I think they said that they didn't have any room. And, and maintenance also. Yeah, right. So they couldn't, they couldn't end up doing that. So uh, yeah. that's, why they, that's why they get them off to. Because that's where the Singapore aircraft are. Yeah. Alice Springs. So it's, it's so. Um, you know, after all this is over, there'll be a whole story again, because there was one on um, what happened to the planes. And it would be good to see another one on something like where the planes are stored. And I think the UK is just opening up. So maybe at some point uh, we can go to the UK and see where all those uh, 747s are being stored before they get flown. Yeah. Where. yeah, they're probably all flown. Actually, the one in Spain, Teruel. Yeah. In Spain. <clears throat> I don't know if that still has all the BA380s or not. Yeah. It, it's and the, the, that airport in France as well. I forget. Yep. Not Cochabal. Um, yeah, I forget what it was. It's, it's, near, it's near Toulouse or something, somewhere there, I think. I forget. I'm not mistaken. So, um, all right, cool story. So, so we have two more. Yes. We have a mega episode. Right? It's almost two hours, <laughs> but it's fine. It is not. Is it really? Uh, close. We're, we're at an hour and 53, but I think we started at 30. So, like an hour and 20 minutes. Um, all right, airports. Uh, Stockholm, uh, I know they have Orlando and there's another one starts with B. I didn't realize they had more than one airport until yes. when I was actually there, I was looking up, I'm like, oh, there's another one. I've not flown into either, but um, what's going on with them? So this is Bromma Airport. I haven't flown into the other one. Bromma Airport. There's actually a third. Yeah, it starts um, with a B or something. Uh, yeah, I forget what it's called. 
a third Stockholm airport. But Bromma is uh, seven kilometers, which, which is about four miles from the city. Uh-huh. And this is set up to close permanently. Now, the reason I mentioned this is that this is the third busiest airport in Sweden. So to close this um, sounds like it doesn't make any sense, but apparently it does. So um, remember we, had talk, we were talking about uh, Flixcom in um, uh, Norway uh-huh. about being one of the reasons why Wizz Air was booted out. Well, that's been happening in Sweden as well. So... Um, it's the Scandinavian thing. Yes, it's the Scandinavian thing. The pandemic, um, which has devastated traffic, and as they say, the growing Swedish social sentiment uh, <clears throat> called Flixcam, movement led by environmental activist Greta Thunberg, um, are two of the reasons why um, traffic has plummeted at Broma. The airport has been in operation since uh, 1936 and about two and a half million passengers um, annually visited or transited Bromma. Um, it was the third busiest airport in, the, in Sweden after Stockholm, um, Arlanda and Gothenburg. And today there are only flights to Malmo to Gotland Island Visby, which is the VBY code, or Angleholm, A-G-H. There are only three destinations. And um, um, the 2020 traffic was only 480,000 passengers all year. And in March 2021, only 6,000 passengers transited Broma. So this has been down 97% since 2019. Now, so closing it was even more ironic because they just built a new terminal at this airport and they just put in a lot of investment into this airport. Um, and it was also the um, headquarters of uh, Brathens Regional. And the weird part is that this was their hub, uh, Stockholm Broma, and Brathens agreed to have it shut down. So, um, pressure. yeah, pressure. probably political pressure. Yeah. yeah. So they haven't yet announced when they're going to do it, but it's most probably going to be um, as, soon as, as soon as the public inquiry is finished, possibly by the end of this year. Yeah. People are going to regret so, decisions, Kushra. Well, they don't think so, because given the they fact don't think that so it, now, <laughs> right, but it's prime land. And they think it's going to be um, primo real estate for housing developments because it's so close to the city. Geez, I wonder who's benefiting from this. I wonder who was behind all <laughs> this. Hmm. So, I don't know, Kushra. There's never a smoke without fire. Never. But the fact that there's no traffic. Well, well duh, nobody's going anywhere. Right. And, and I, I'm reading, they actually have four airports. It's Orlando, Broma. Cabsta and Vastel. That's the other one. Okay. So there's four of them. So now there's only three. Um, we're, we're, we're. So they saw this trend of falling traffic, but yet they built a new terminal that's fairly new. Well, because the traffic was falling because of COVID. 
yeah that accelerated right? it yes so and and so obviously that's that's the reason and you can't really look at those numbers and decide oh yeah we're going to close it we're going to close an airport because of that otherwise all the airports around the world will be closed uh, well i don't like that decision i don't like this what's happening here because um so, okay, so what happened to the traffic? It's not going to stop people from flying. Well, a lot of people were, uh, I don't know why, they were switching to um, Orlando. But I guess airlines stopped just flying to Brahma for whatever reason. COVID. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't explain the declining traffic at Brahma, right? Well, if, I mean, but yeah, but if nobody's going, if nobody is flying right, and the airlines are cutting routes just because, but I, I, yeah. I guarantee you it's going to be open up again. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. We'll have, to wait, we'll have to wait and see. I don't like what's happening here. I don't like the whole, especially since now they're like, oh, let's go build some houses there. At least in Germany, when they closed, um, what's that? What's that? Tempelhof. Tempelhof. Yeah, um, they kept it. They kept it, right? It was like, it's there. Um, you know, it, it, it could actually be the runway is closed, but if they had to land something in an emergency, I'm pretty sure they could. Um, and Teagle, you know, hmm. Teagle's now closed, but um, I don't think they're going to, I think they're probably going to do something very similar, make it into a park again or something. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I don't like it. Sure. I just don't like it. Um, all right, we got one more story. Yes. Uh, we're talking about aircraft and freighters. What's going on? So Boeing has, had, has been having a little trouble selling this 777X, which is the Dash 8 and the Dash 9. Mm -hmm. um, they were supposed to have entered service in 2020, I believe. Then it was yeah. pushed to 2021. And then, of course, the pandemic put an end to that. Now I believe it's 2022 or 2023. Um, a lot of airlines have been cutting back because, again, this is a very large aircraft. And given the post-COVID trends, more airlines are focusing on smaller, more uh, efficient aircraft, if you will, that are capable of point-to-point -point service, like the 787 and the 350. So, unfortunately, this, the 777X is caught up in the same um, situation that the A380 has suffered. Not perhaps as dramatically, yeah. but it's in the same boat. <clears throat> so Boeing really hadn't considered a freighter version of it. But Qatar has been making noises about uh, of, wanting of, one. Of course. So um, Boeing has now decided to offer Qatar a freighter version of this aircraft, even though it has not been approved by the board. Now, this comes curiously um in the wake of airbus shopping around for customers for a potential a350 freighter now qatar has about 30 all boeing 777 um, freighters and they're looking to replace them airbus is seeking to make a dent in boeing's freighter um supremacy in the market because uh, okay. really airbus has no comparable aircraft apart from the 330 which has not been very successful yeah so they've been shopping around the 350 and i don't know if you heard recently 
But Qatar has been in this sort of mystery fight with Airbus about a 350. Because when they repainted a recent 350 that had been grounded, um, I believe in Toulouse, they found that the surface of the aircraft had degraded, whatever that word means, to an extent that should not have been so. Wow, okay. So Qatar has declared that it is not accepting any more deliveries of 350s until this problem is solved or the root cause is discovered. And we know how so, they are. So people are just thinking that this is a crafty way of Qatar not really wanting to accept any more planes as of now. Um, and they're seeking to defer deliveries without having to pay the penalties. Now, remember, Qatar is the biggest customer for the 350. I believe they have 56 of them, and they're expecting 23 more. Uh, 53 of them they have currently, and they're expecting 23 more. So they have a lot of clout with Airbus. But no one is really sure why they're picking this fight, but um, a lot of cynics are estimating that it has to do with the fact that uh, um, they don't want to accept delivery of any new aircraft without paying penalties. And this might be one means of setting Boeing against Airbus. Now, that may be a very cynical way of looking at things, but Al Bakr is no idiot. No. <clears throat> I mean, he's built this, air, know, uh, this airline very, very successfully. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. So, so it's to be seen if other carriers take the bait and order this plane as well. But there's no question that a new 777 freighter is in the offing. I remember that the 300ER is also coming online with the used yeah. uh, Emirates planes. So, I mean, I, I get it, it, it makes sense. Um, they probably just thought they could get away with it with just not doing a 777 freighter, a 7X freighter, right? Yeah. Yeah. They weren't planning it, but who knows if they were I don't were know or not. why, <clears throat> because they have the they have the triple seven freighter. Like what what would be the difference between because the the triple seven freighter that they have out there now, that's pretty mm -hmm. um it's it about been around that long. 10, 12 years. So what's the difference between that and the the new one? Um, see, the, the Middle East Airlines keep their aircraft for about 10 to 12 years before they get rid of them. Okay. But yeah, but That's I mean, typical of that. But in terms of they, a, a freighter, I mean, like, I mean, like... And it's a much bigger aircraft, right? The 777-9X. It's so a much bigger aircraft. More, more capacity, more range. More range, yes. Even though they have the 748, Qatar does. And yeah, but like, um, <clears throat> how far do you want to fly the planes without stopping? I mean, the 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 sevens already stop you from stopping in Anchorage from Asia to US, right? You don't have to stop in Anchorage anymore. Um, the the current cargo from the Doha cargo comes straight to Houston from the Middle East. Mm. <clears throat> So where do you want to go? You you have to. Well, cargo is big business, and anywhere you can go faster, it's going to be good for you. So 
but you still need, I mean, if you're going to go further, you need more crew. True. Uh, but remember, these planes only require two people, right? So right. at most you need four. Right. You do well, need but you need flight attendants as well. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, probably just one. So, yeah, for the doors uh, and the meals and this and that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why the why Boeing is like, well, we don't really need one because the current triple seven is fine. <laughs> so, I mean, because if you think about it, right, it is. It goes everywhere. You don't need, you don't need another one because you don't need, you don't need more range because I can already give you the range. Uh, well, you get better fuel efficiency. <clears throat> If that matters, and it does, I think. I think it does, but I thought that Seven X has the better wings or something like that. Yes, the composite wings and the new wings. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that right. that sounds a little. Weird. I I could understand why Boeing would make wings because I'm like you don't you don't need one, but you know no one can convince Al Baker he doesn't need something if he thinks. Yeah. So. <laughs> he wants to get thirty of them. Uh, so. Yeah, and, and he's very good at pitting Airbus against Boeing. Yes, like, well, he's brilliant. If, if you don't make it, I'm going to ask Boeing. I'm going to ask Airbus. And of course, Airbus wants the business. They're like, okay, you go design a 350, uh, a dash 1000-1000 freighter. If ever both of them say, screw you, we're not going to do it. <laughs> what would he do? Who would he turn to? No one. Yeah, but, but they won't. They won't. They won't. It's money, dude. Yep. They won't. Yeah, I mean, because when probably if you look at the books, um, you know, they probably have a quite a large sum. Yes, they do. Yeah, you know, and and the whole on order and all that kind of stuff. So, wow. Okay. So we'll see how this fight ends. <laughs> um, yes. All right. I think that's probably the last story that we have. Uh yes, that's the last one. All right, so we had a marathon episode. <laughs> uh, it's about an hour and a half, which is not bad. So um, thank you guys for listening, Kusha. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank that was you. Good. See why I can't do the show by yourself. When I do the show by myself, it's like twenty minutes. And somebody was like, "Really? You only did twenty minutes? Come on!" I'm like, "Well, Kusha's not here. I, I can't banter with myself." <laughs> Say again? By yourself. You can't, cannot go off on a tangent by yourself. I know, exactly, right? Then it'd just be like me, you know, bitching about something, part the expression. <laughs> um, <No>. All right. <clears throat> so um, that's all we have for today. Just some good, good catch up, some good stories as usual. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts. So Apple came out with this new Apple Podcasting, which I still don't understand. And they told me to apply. So I applied. And so I think the, the podcast is already on Apple, but mm. I'm doing a new podcast thing. So I don't even know what that means, but we are an Apple podcast. You can find us by searching for what's happening in travel or search for either of our names, Kirby McKenzie or Kusho Parak. You can find us all in there. Take it um, that's a good thing. Huh? I take it that's a good thing that you're on the Apple thing. Uh, well, yes. Apple is being a behem- be- behemoth. Is that the right word? Yeah. 
Um, you mean like Google? Yes. So it is also Google Podcast. But okay. um, most people who listen to this podcast just download it and listen to it. Listen huh. to the file off of their computers. Huh. Um, but apparently if you're not in Apple Podcasts, nobody knows about you, which is not really true, but that's what it is. I think about 60% of the market share is, is what they have. Good Lord. I know. It's, it's crazy. Uh, but there's also, um, so if you have an iPhone, just search for the podcast. You can find it there and just download. And as soon as episodes are uploaded, it gets transmitted across to it. So you can get it there. Um, uh, so there's Apple, Google, Stitcher. Um, basically, anywhere there's a podcast, we're there. Um, that's all we have. And um, that's it. Until next time. Yes. And again, thank you, Kosho. Uh, welcome back. Thank you for listening. Yeah. So this is episode what? 81 recorded uh, Friday, June 11th. All right, folks. We'll talk soon.